Welcome to the Maritime Podcast. In this latest In Conversation episode, Emma Howell, Director of Media for Sea Trade Maritime News, talks to Dorothea Ayanu, Deputy CEO of Shipowner Claims Bureau, managers of the American P&I Club. Emma talks to Dorothea about her newly announced promotion to the role of CEO, diversity, digitalization, and the current state of the P&I market. Over to you, Emma. I'm delighted today to introduce Dorothea. Welcome. Ah, thank you, Emma. My name is Dorothea Ioannou, and I am the Deputy Chief Operating Officer for the American Club, for the managers of the American Club Shipowners Claims Bureau, and I'm very, very happy to be here today at CMA and talking to Emma. Thank you. Dorothea, I picked up when you introduced yourself. You said Deputy COO. Yeah. But in the news recently, it said CEO. (laughs) Right. Thank you, Emma. (laughs) Well, yes, I'm actually very excited because we recently announced that I will be the Chief Executive Officer as of August 1st, um, at which point um, our current CEO will step down, not stepping entirely or retiring, but he will step down from his duties as the Chief Executive Officer. And the managers have appointed me as the upcoming Chief Executive. Yeah, so for the time being though, I am still the Deputy Chief Operating Officer until August 1st. (laughs) Well, congratulations. Thank you very much. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask how it feels to be the first woman president of a P&I club. Yes, well, yes, well, I mean, um, definitely very excited. Uh, I'm thrilled. Um, I'm proud. I think these are the three major words that I would use to describe how I feel. But also, you know, a little bit weighted. There's a lot of responsibility because there's responsibility that comes with the role just as a role by itself for the American club. But because of its significance in the industry, so... Since the first club was founded 167 years ago, the first club of the current group, there's never been a woman leader of, of any club. So this is significant, not just for us. It's, you know, the American Club's 105 years old. There's yeah. never been a woman leader. And I will be first there and I'll be first from an industry perspective. Yes. And, and the truth is that the P&I sector for marine insurance lagged a little bit behind the rest of the players in the market. So we've seen a, a female leader of uh, Lloyd's. We've seen also leaders in the broking side. We've seen leaders on the Hull side. We've not seen it on the P&I side. Probably historical roots in the way that the, the clubs were first formed and the way that the talent pool has developed. So I do feel responsibility. I do feel that whatever I do will have an impact on the market generally for the respective of women in the industry. Yeah. But um, obviously the greater responsibility for me is what I do with the American club, obviously. Yeah. What do you see as your immediate agenda as you come into the top role of the club? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, because it's been kind of a plan that's been in place for a number of years, um, the, the first steps that we started to take probably dates back to 2016 in terms of the succession plan. So, I've been very much a part of the evolving agenda of the management of the club. So, for example, when I first took over the global business development, I did put in a new model that we implemented, which took advantage of and utilized every single department function in order to deal with member maintenance and also new growth. So that is something that is an already existing agenda of mine and of the management. 
one of the things that we've been doing for a number of years also is concentrating on, on enhancing people's skills within the club. So uh, putting the leadership in place of all the departments, so that's definitely going to continue. Um, our motto has always been about personalized service. Um, I've been a very big part of that. So that's definitely going to continue as we go forward. And then also we have expanded certain products. So uh, about 10 years ago, we moved into uh, maybe 11 years ago, 12, we, 12 years ago, we advanced into the fixed premium market, mm. okay, in order to cater to smaller tonnage that doesn't need the billion dollar type of limits. So that has steadily been growing. And that's basically year on year, somewhere around a 10% growth. So we're putting a lot of our efforts increasing that side of things as well. As a complement to the mutual, as we do the steady growth, which is a part of the business development program yeah. that we have. Um, a few years ago, we also expanded into Hull, um, yes, and recently we also expanded that license to do P&I as well. Um, yep. So, I mean, I think really, is there a new agenda? No, there's no new agenda. New faces, and probably not even a new face, because I've been with the club since 2005. Yep. So it's really, it, yeah, it's really, I mean, I've been with the club for, for 17 years now. Yeah. So it's really about continuing the plan that we've created already, enhancing what we already do well. And actually, just before we started filming, we touched a little bit on the pandemic. And I think that's an interesting point to go back to because yeah. you were talking about how that also impacted how you do business yes. and now for the better as well. Could you expand yeah, so, on that? Yes. Okay, so one of the things that we were already in the midst of also, which was a big part of our agenda, was a, a, digi a digitalization transformation and a systems transformation. So obviously, in today's world, efficiencies require systems right yeah and we were already in that process and then when 2020 when the when the um when the pandemic hit major disruption right we were all used to doing business a certain way i would say at that point we were about 50 percent still paper you know um obviously that had to change overnight yeah. so all of a sudden we had to put in, into place virtually um, a process to get us 100% paperless within that period. And actually what happened as well is during that period, whereas we used to do a lot of traveling, yep. okay? And you know, traveling is necessary because you do need to concentrate on developing relationships, okay? Yes. Thank God we had done a lot of that before because we were able to ride on those relationships that we had already built. Because that two-year period that we were basically static, we did everything, everything by committee. Because we were able to, because we were all in our homes, we were all connecting virtually, and we actually got to know not only the leadership better, but we got to know actually each and every person in our organization better. And in fact, one of the things that, and thank you for reminding me about this, because one of the things on the agenda, which was, which was concentrating on enhancing our people skills, and, and, and trying to figure out what's best for our people internally, because when your people internally are satisfied and balanced and happy, then, what, then, then the image and the service that goes externally can only get better. Absolutely. So what we did was, in the middle of the pandemic, we did what's called a virtual workshop where we took anonymous feedback from each and every person in the company to figure out whether, did they have what they needed? Um, are they able to do their, their jobs efficiently? Was there anything that was not working? Did they have ideas on, on what they would prefer to see going forward? Was there anything from a job perspective in terms of our strategy externally that we could do better? And 
because it was anonymous, because it was a virtual and it was actually done with this web-based app, okay? Right. So we yeah. had questions that were targeted. We were able to find a very, very good balance, not only for COVID times, but for post-COVID. Mm. So now we have a much better plan going forward and we have happier people. And so people are more vested because they also feel, and they, not that they feel that they were heard, they were heard. So the plans that we put in place post-COVID are based on the feedback we got from our people. And that will continue. And that will be a developing part of our agenda as we go forward. How many people did that survey? Oh, the whole company. So we're just a little bit under 100 people globally. Right. So we did it by department, right? Yeah. So that we could figure out, was there a specific problem with any particular department? Okay. okay. Yep. And then we also did it from a leadership. So we had the head of each department have a separate session, even though they had done a session with their teams. And then what we did actually too is we shared that data with the leaders of each department who were then responsible to put together their own strategy plan for their own department. If you're enjoying listening, make sure you never miss an episode of the Maritime Podcast by subscribing on the app of your choice. Dorothea, with the proposed merger of North and Standard Clubs, is PI set for more consolidation? Ah, the question of the hour. <laughs> People have been asking me, you know, is this the beginning of major consolidation? I don't have a crystal ball. I, I can't say what's going to happen, but I can tell you what this means. This means that the market has one less choice in terms of options for P&I. That's a fact, okay? Now, let's remember that the P&I clubs were created by the ship owners. Each and every club was created by the ship owners. I think that if they didn't want to have that many options, not all of us would be here today. So I think it does remain to be seen. I think that options and choices are a good thing for any market and any sector. The unique thing about this merger, which needs to be said, is that you'll remember merger, you know, suggested mergers in the past yep. didn't work. Okay. This, these particular two clubs are similar in that they are, they have a commonality, both of corporate structure yep. as well as regulatory framework and body. Okay. A mutual is not a stock company. You can't, one can't buy the other, mm. okay? So you have to have a lot of different pieces in place in order for something like that to work. And it's probably gonna take like some time to, to get it all done. But when you have two clubs that where the management is owned by the clubs themselves, okay? And they have all the same regulatory bodies. So I think in this case, we're talking about um, UK, I think Ireland, um, Bermuda, I think Standard also has an Asian regulatory body, but that's the only anomaly. The rest is all the same. Their corporate structure is the same. So that makes for conducive environment for a merger, mm. okay? Mm. And then, though, if you think about what their strategy is, the strategy really isn't about consolidation. It's actually a competitive strategy that they're taking. At least that's what I've understood from listening to their talks and the articles. It's about competing with the big guy, and we all know who the big guy is, okay? And the big guy had a very, very big gap as between that and the rest of the group. So I think that angle is that. So I don't think that we're going to see like this whole slew of, but you know, I could be wrong. I don't have a, I don't have a crystal ball, but I do believe and, and, and knowing with my experience that ship owners like choice. So we'll have to see. The impact of larger, more frequent claims on P&I and what can an insurer such as American Club do about this? Okay, good question, because right now we are experiencing historical highs especially on the pool. So if you look at the last three years and compare it to the three years prior, it's almost double in terms of exposure. Our own exposure of our contribution to other clubs' claims has doubled in that period. Okay, 
What does this mean? Well, it just means what it always means, that the market goes through cycles. Mm. If you look at period of between 2010 to 2015, we were very lucky because we had a relatively benign claims environment. And what did that do? That created the perfect platform for alleviating pressure on owners with rates, mm-hmm. okay? Because don't forget, it's a ship owners mutual, so we mm-hmm. have to go with the needs also of the ship owners. So we did some studies and we showed that during, I think, the last six-year period, and again, always remember, claims precede rates, okay? So first you see the reduction, okay? Yep. And then the rates follow, which means though, then you see the claims rise and then the premium will follow. So that's what we're seeing right now. And so what do, cl- we've been around for 105 years, right? Yep. Obviously we've gone through a number of storms, okay? So what do we always do? We study and we look at where are the claims going. We have a super team on loss prevention. We have an excellent team on the claims. We have claims committee. We have a loss prevention committee at the board level and they study data, right? Yeah. They study data and they look and they see where's the common cause. I'll tell you one thing, regardless of where technology is going, the common cause is the human element, okay? Yeah. It, it, the number one cause of most of the claims has to do with people making mistakes. And that's why you need insurance like P&I, right? Okay. Yep, yep. So what do we do? We try and figure out Okay, right now, though, probably I would say there's special circumstances because we're seeing historically high levels of inflation. Mm -hmm. Inflation hits everybody. It doesn't Mm -hmm. only hit the way the cost of you living in your home. It's going to hit the cost of claims because if you have a cargo claim related to any type of commodity or or, um, uh, product, that product's going to cost more. So if there's damage, the claim's going to be greater. And also, if you look at just people's lives and medical costs, we cover that, right? Mm -hmm. So medical costs are going up. The claim to take care of people when they get sick and they get injured is going to go up. So these are the things, though, that you have to take into account looking forward. It's not something that we can obviously fix looking back. But we have a good team. What we do all the time is we analyze data. We have one of our regional head of claims, Molly McCafferty, actually going to be speaking this afternoon at this conference on social inflation and its impact on claims. So during the benign period, obviously, the rates came down because it was reacting to that market. Well, now most of the clubs were very transparent about the need for higher levels of of premium. And so that's what we're going to work on. That's what we did at the last renewal. You have to find the right balance because we're not looking, remember the clubs are nonprofit. They're Mm. nonprofit mutual. So all we need is enough premium to pay for the claims, okay? And to meet the capital requirements because we're regulated financially. Yeah, yeah. So it's about finding that happy medium balance to do that and then follow the cycle. And so we're just gonna continue what we always try and do. Where we find a particular problem, we will come up with uh, loss prevention initiatives that can help guide our ship owners in order to take perhaps maybe better measures because technology also, as it, as it unfolds, yes, it mitigates certain types of claims, but it creates new ones. Okay. So like I said, we're just going to keep doing what we always do. We are a cent- over a century old and we certainly look with confidence to be able to meet those uh, demands of the volatility of claims environment. Thank you, Dorothea. Truly insightful conversation. Good luck in the new role when it starts on August the 1st. It sounds like you're enormously prepared for it. And I hope you enjoyed your time at CMA this week as well. Thank Thank you. you so much. It was a pleasure. And thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk about those things. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Maritime Podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on the app of your choice. Stay safe until the next episode.